For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as a result, are we just coming back from the pandemic, or are we getting into it even deeper? We don't know. But let's look at the deal-making issues from this week. Three to one. Three. Sport Radar filed for an IPO on NASDAQ. The firm filed an IPO with the SEC, intending to be listed on NASDAQ under the ticker symbol SRAD. Based in Switzerland, and its largest investors include Canada Pension Fund Investment Board and Revolution Growth Evan Morgan. It also received funds from NBA legend Michael Jordan, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, Ted Leonsis of Monumental. More than 150 sports leagues partner with Sport Radar, which sells official league data to media companies and more than 900 sports betting operators around the world. And in March, Sport Radar attempted to go public through a merger with Horizon Acquisition Corp., special purpose acquisition company started by Los Angeles Dodgers minority owner Ted Bewley, but the deal never finalized. That's deal-making issue number three. Two. New UK pledge puts more gold and silver into athletes' hands. United Kingdom Prime Minister Boris Johnson pledged $319 million to the British Olympic team after its success in Tokyo. Great Britain and Northern Ireland only took home 65 medals, but their winnings were spread across 25 different disciplines, broader than any other country, according to the UK government. The new funding is the latest way the U.K. has shown its commitment to sports and fitness. The government announced last week it's investing about $460 million into transforming active travel via infrastructure upgrades to encourage walking and cycling. Next year, the country is set to host the Commonwealth Games, the largest sporting event in London since the 2012 Olympics. More than a billion has been invested. The $319 million figure marks a 43% increase in what was received leading up to the 2020 Tokyo Games. The funds will go toward coaching athletes and scouting the next class of Olympians. Chief Executive of UK Sports Sally Monday said the funds are crucial for the success in the 2024 Games in Paris. One. Now number one. Afghans to Paralympians, including the first female, will miss Tokyo with airports closed in the wake of the Taliban takeover. All sports are a minor concern in Afghanistan right now. Axios Sports notes that inevitable changes there, particularly for women, reflect the country's uncertain future. When the Taliban rose to power in 96, men's sports took a back seat, while women were forbidden from participating under violent and sometimes fatal penalties. The IOC banned the Afghans from 2000 Olympics, for the Taliban's discrimination against women, which extended far beyond the field into the workplace and education. And after the Taliban toppled in 2001, 
gradual changes emerged as women no longer subject to the strictness of Sharia law. The IOC reinstated Afghanistan for 2004 games. The nation set the first two female Olympians to to Athens, and in 2007, the first national women's soccer team was formed. A skateboarding program called Skatistan became a haven for uh, schoolgirls and was spotlighted in 2020's Oscar-winning documentary short subject. But now, the vital progress in the sports world these past two decades is, like so many Afghani women, being threatened. And that's deal-making issue number one. Let's get one of the best interviews we've had in a long time with a friend who has risen way beyond sports and ran for president. Bottom line is Florida governor. John Ellis Bush, Jeb, born in 1953 in Midland, Texas, to future President George H.W. Bush and future First Lady Barbara Bush. The nickname Jeb, the initials of his name, J-E-B. At the age of 17, he Bush taught English as a second language and built a school in Mexico where he met his future wife. He attended college at the University of Texas, playing on the Longhorn Varsity tennis team in 1973. He also served as governor of Florida from 99 until 2007 and ran for president, as we know, in 2016. He served as part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars from 1993 until 1997. Jeb Bush and his wife, Columba, have three children and four grandchildren. And before we uh, have the interview with Jeb, schools basically coming back all over the country, including in Florida, a shout out to college administrators who want to maximize participation in diversity in all forms of competition, and nowhere is it more significant than in sports, but also in debate, both at the college and high school level. According to the City Foundation, the Houston study that was done by the Independent School District talks about a 0.6% increase in GPA and a 52 to 57 point increase in SATs basically from high school debaters. Why 160,000 of them in high school alone, about 12,000 in Florida, according to the National Speech and Debate Association. And the Florida Civics and Debate Initiative, started by the Florida Department of Education, is directly involved in this effort. But let's go a little further. Super Bowl had about 120 million watchers and the debates of who wins. Uh, Is there offsides? What about these penalties? But sports fans agree to disagree. They meet passion with civility, and the combination of Florida civics and debate, coupled with sports, enhances literacy, education, and citizenship. The uh, Florida Debate Initiative was born based on these theories, and I'm honored to run the sports component of it and be involved in it, at least, and coordinate it. Questions like, NBA eligibility at a high school, a designated hitter, will it be there universally? Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time or is it Michael Jordan? The bottom line is nobody knows these answers, but students are urged to bring their best heat when they debate these issues. It's in place this academic year. Florida creates a model for all to follow. A shameless plug since I'm involved, clearly but it also impacts national and, frankly, international diversity and the ability to state your arguments. The reason why this is so important is Jeb Bush as governor and as a presidential candidate weighed in fairly specifically about the virtues of sports and debate 
in the context of all of his questions, pay special attention to Jeb Bush, John Ellis Bush. Governor? Rick, it's a joy being with you. Yeah, uh, look, it's really exciting. I've looked up to you for many years and looked up to you politically, but I've also looked up to you in the sports world as well. And I know that your dad played in the World Series for Yale. Yeah. What has sports meant to you for, as far as a family legacy is concerned? Well, it, growing up, that's all we did. Yeah. People always ask us, well, what do you talk about detente, you know, when you were growing up as a kid? Or, and I always said, no, we talked about the Houston Colt 45s. <laughs> yeah. Or my exploits, you know, as, as a little leaguer, or, you know, we were, we love sports. Um, I grew up in a time where we were told not to come in to the house until, until it was time to eat, and we, we just played sports. So my dad was uh, you know, a huge advocate for, for us to do that, and my greatest joys were going to baseball games with him. And you had the ability to get involved in the business as well. We'll talk about that in a second. The family political business, but the family sports business, obviously. Uh, way back before you even thought about it's the Walker Cup because? Because of my great-grandfather yeah. founded it. Um, George H. Walker. My dad's name's George H. W. Yeah. Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah. Uh, my brother's name George Walker Bush. Yeah, so there's a there's a Walker connection there, and um, the whole Walker clan. Every two years, when they're playing in the United States, will show up wherever it is. It's always in pretty good places, like the National and Seminole. Well, Seminole last year especially, that was an incredible event with incredible weather, yeah. and Jack Nicholas holding court, and you know you around. But the business leaders and the political leaders go because they want to see this event as an event as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure what got into my my uh, great grandfather's uh, head to do this, but it turned out pretty good. Well, he donated a trophy. I mean, you could yeah. donate a trophy to something. He <laughs> <laughs> could, you could be, could be right there. He so, also was a founder of. I didn't know this till I went to play once at Augusta. He was one of the founding members, which blew me away. Uh, do the people who govern Augusta, and we all know who they are, understand that stroke? And because obviously Augusta is the land of the understated, you're not supposed to talk about it. Someone else is supposed to find out about it. Did you make sure that someone else found out about it? No, they already knew it. Okay. But I didn't, actually, so uh, it, was a, it was a nice, pleasant surprise as you're walking up to the third floor of this incredible, you know, yeah. uh, building with an, the most amazing experience as a golfer. Let's talk about your University of Texas tennis prowess. I hear on good authority that, <laughs> though I'm not supposed to say, but you're a walk-on, but that speaks to your determination and drive, not necessarily anything else, but that your serve was of some significant repute. I don't know about that. Uh, I was 6'4", so that helped. I, I was a walk-on. I won the intramural, intramural tournament. I show up, and uh, the new coach, uh, Dan Snyder, I think his name was, who became a legendary coach uh, later on yeah. at, at Texas, took a look at me and said, you're on the team. Get a haircut. <laughs> this was in the early 70s. So and you said? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> of course you did. And uh, I played one year, um, never got higher than nine. But, and then the next year he recruited the number one doubles team in the, in the world, took two Aussies, uh, Denton and Curran, or maybe a t South African and an Aussie, and um, I, I decided I wanted to go back to studying. They were, at least Denton, I guess they were pretty significant in the pro ranks. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, of course. 135 mile an hour serves, I decided I, I, just to make sure that I didn't get hurt, I 
spelled and, out. And that singularly prepared you for life in business and politics, I suspect, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How to dodge bullets. Yeah, well, what is so, let me just uh, stay on that for a minute. Uh, what is success in sports or participation in sports? How did it, how did it prepare you for life in, it's a very, very successful life in business and, and politics? Totally, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of disturbing to see young people just all yeah. crouched up yeah. looking, at, looking at screens when just the resiliency, uh, the competitive nature, the sportsmanship, you know, um, all of that are, you know, help you be a good leader or a good person. So um, whether it's, I, you know, it's, it doesn't even have to be organized sports. In fact, I think it's better to have, not that it should be called disorganized yeah, sports, right. but allow your creativity to come up. We, when I was growing up, we had, we played, we created an Olympics uh, of things that um, didn't make the Olympics. Uh, Right the, 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 the Bush family Olympics or was this? Yeah, no, it was kids in the neighborhood yeah. and we had all sorts of different events that we made up using our imagination. And um, so that kind of uh, attitude, that the, the, the skills you learn, the interpersonal skills, all the things that you learn through sports, I think are really important. If I were to ask you which brother was a better athlete, would you answer that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, we're, we're kind of, we're roughly equal. I'll tell you one thing, um, my brother, my oldest brother, much more older brother, uh, former president, uh, W, shot his age a month ago. Why doesn't that become a major story? Because he's understated about that stuff? Or he doesn't yeah, want to no, I don't think he, he doesn't toot his own horn, but yeah. I mean, that was pretty good. He that was, is pretty good. He, he, he was very happy. I was happy for him. Well, that's, that's enough. We don't have to talk about it further. <laughs> that's Rick, really good. So let's talk about a couple college athletic things first. NIL dominating the headlines. If I were to say five years ago that college athletes not only would be paid but flaunted, and Nick Saban would say, I've got a quarterback that's going to make a million bucks, you'd say I'm nuts. But now it is normal. What, what's your thought on the whole issue? I think there's going to be some really bad unintended consequences. Yeah. I think women's sports actually are probably going to be hurt dramatically. Um, and the, you know, the business model may not be the right one, but it, it's the one that generates lots of revenue for the universities in, um, in the major colleges is basketball and more importantly football. You take that away, you're not going to be able to support all these other sports that allow you know, a lot of uh, young people, particularly women, to be able to get a scholarship and to you know, learn their trade through sports that, that helps them the rest of their lives. So somehow there's going to have to be uh, a way out of this to get to, to recognize that. And we could say the NCAA abrogated from the time that Emmert had his press release a year and a half ago saying we're going to do it, but the do it was July 1, you guys go ahead and do it. And I guess the issue will be how to govern, and maybe it's the states require or legalize it as long as the athletic department spreads the dollars out. I mean, there are ways to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it could lead to unionization in some yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah. It could get, it could get, uh, it, it's not going to be static, that's for sure. And then you have, of course, my alma mater uh, and Oklahoma jumping ship to the SEC. We'll talk so, about that. No, let, let, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Come on now, what's your visceral reaction? Um, I thought they should have done it, to be honest with yeah. you, when A&M jumped. Yeah. Uh, now I kind of, my dad's library is at a and I've kind of become more of an Aggie fan just because I love the spirit of the okay. place. And I think, you know, they've had a good run because they, they took the leap first. Okay. We'll see. I mean. It's uh, the haves will be stronger, the have-nots will be weaker. Again, these are there'll be unintended consequences of 
allowing this stuff to happen. Don't you find it ironic that you now have an opportunity to potentially have 12 teams in a college football playoff, but yet we may have three or four super conferences where the conference champions, there are only three or four of them? Yeah, no, that's, I think that's where we're going. And, you know, I guess, I guess the answer is that everybody should have the right to get beat by Alabama, and Texas will now join that list. <laughs> well, all right, but we've had Nick Saban on our show, and Nick Saban is as humble as someone whose statue is a little higher than Bear Bryant could possibly be, but we'll leave that for another discussion. He, he just got a nice payday. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably fair. So ultimately, where does that all shake out? Conference musical chairs 10 years ago because of TV. Big uh, Southwestern Conference, we don't, people don't remember it, right? Now, all right, so where's it, where are we going? I think, I think we see this consolidation playing out uh, to the detriment of, of, you know, the smaller conferences, the smaller schools. Um, you know, look, I, the sports in, in America is unique. There are no, like in Europe, there are no college teams. Right. That's right. um, we have a huge advantage, and it's a uh, it's it's a great tradition for our universities. And if we if we don't watch out, we could we could really hurt that. All right. Now, so obviously, I'm going to ask you for a substance. The days of you giving political answers are over, so you don't even have to worry about that. So, if University of Texas plays national championship, Florida, FSU, or Miami, who are you rooting for? Um, I would be for the Canes. You would. Yeah. Okay. It's all about the U. All right, good. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, he lives in, my, in, in, in the Gable. He lives down here. So, so, so let me, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm, I'm my last year, or maybe it's not the last year, but my second term, I'm watching FSU play Miami. I'm in the booth with Brent Musburger at halftime. And he says, well, of course, you're not going to say who you're for, right? Because you're governor. Yes. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm for the Canes. <laughs> yeah. And I could hear... There was you know, 80,000 yeah, people. Yeah. You could hear the, 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 all of a sudden, because people are listening on the radio, yeah. people starting to boo. Yeah. So I've already taken this step I was, I was of being say, politically incorrect. Yeah, well, you don't, need, you don't need anybody booing you because that's not really what you've ever been about. But speaking of the Canes, I want to go back. The whole NIL issue relative to what the Canes did with that model with the gym and the 450000 and they're spreading those dollars out for $5,000 a player on the team whether it's the right player or not. It's an interesting concept because it yeah. doesn't allow favorites and that may be the future model as well. I agree with that. And I think that is a much better approach than taking your star player and allowing yeah. them to monetize to, to a big extent. I think it would create some real morale problems on the team. It's yeah. a smart, smart answer. Um, hopefully uh, this, this won't be abused. I mean, these are kids that um, you know, are deserving of getting paid, given their circumstances in many cases, um, to do it in an equitable fashion, uh, in, a, in a way that they can save money as well. You know, they're getting a great education. Yeah, yeah. And if they could save some money to be able to provide for themselves and their families, you know, you can't, can't, can't disagree with that. Isn't it comforting to know that the great education piece is now coupled with, we ought to give them some money to live too. That's a, it's a great argument to be able to use. Yeah. So yeah. we'll, have to, we'll have to see what happens. Tuition is not cheap at, at the University of Miami. A little cheaper at Florida and FSU. Yeah, but they're all great high-quality schools. How's that? Is that good? Yeah, very all good. Right. So segue to professional sports. The part owner of the Jaguars during a very interesting and turbulent time, what do you take away from that? Well, I was part of the chase team. I had, we had a lot of fun making the case that Jacksonville was deserving, yeah. uh, and we got it. You know, and then we... It was like the, the poodle caught the, bu you know, the bus or the aircraft carrier. Right. 
Yeah. And so uh, we ended up getting a great owner. It was a blast. Uh, and Jacksonville is a kind of town that um, embraced the team. It's, you know, it was the only game in town kind of mentality. Didn't have, uh, other than the, the, um, the uh, Georgia-Florida game, you know, this, this yeah. was it. And so it's a great city and it was, it was really a lot of fun. I got elected governor and um, really felt, that, you know, felt compelled to sell my interests to avoid any conflicts. And so I missed out on the, the nice, uh, the nice bump, but uh, the, the I was nice bump. Yeah, exactly. The nice bump and the the good years. But so Trevor Lawrence, does he get you back to the good years? Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Jacksonville fan because of that experience, and I think he will. But of course, Jacksonville against the Dolphins. You're a Dolphin. I am. Yeah, I clearly. Can, you know, not you not keep catch, catching me with my. Uh, no, no, but it's obvious. I mean, we know you. We know what the deal is. Well, let's talk baseball. So the family perspective on the Rangers. You had a good Cliff Notes version of what it's like to own a pro sports franchise from your brother. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was all in. He was the um, president of the team. Um, he built the team. He built the stadium that, ironically, just got torn down. The old, the old, the old new stadium, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and got the, you know, the benefits of uh, success. And also, to this day, people still will come up to him and say, why did you you know, why'd you trade Sammy Sosa or something right. like that? Yeah, but that he didn't make the A Rod uh, decision though. That uh, that was the next owner after him. Well, it ended up. Uh, it, it, but it's affecting. I'll bet you it's affecting the current guy's balance sheet because it you know it has totally. to when when you when you look at that. Yeah, it's a, the the my favorite baseball contract story is that Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid. Yeah. For, for doing <laughs> almost almost as much as he did the last couple of years he was in the game too. He's uh. His agent is deserving of a nice commission. Yeah, he's getting it every year. So, give give us give us kind of the high-minded comparison between the football and the baseball. If you had to invest today, and I know you've had a, some opportunities in baseball, what's what's the sport that looks best to you today? I think it's MLS. Yeah. I think the uh, demographics are younger, uh, more diverse. It's you know the. It's it's earlier in the in the development of the of the league. I think that's the place to invest. Uh, football has got a phenomenal franchise and you know could have a bigger global reach. Baseball's got issues. The um, age of the folks going to the games is is down. They can't figure out how to speed up the pace of play. You know we're in this era where people want immediate gratification. Yeah. Um, they've got a great technology platform, but I just I think they're going to have they're going to have struggles. Otani, Tatis, um, Alonso, good new faces of baseball. Totally. And there's always that, but it just seems like if you, if you, uh, all of the, the beauty of baseball to me is what my brother would call strategery. You know, it's all of the subtle parts of it. And we're not, we're not living in a culture that uh, rewards subtlety. If you, clearly, that, that's, by the way, that is a that's a Chinese fortune cookie thing or on a cereal box. <laughs> that's that's hey, really thanks. good. That's, no, that's, that's really good. One more curveball on what many people say is a sport, and maybe it'll be in the Olympics. Tell me what you think of esports players making like two, three million dollars at 17 years old. Um, I don't get it, yeah, right. but it's, it's I, I'm, you know, I, I've talked to some people that are owners of these teams. 
I don't, I don't quite get it because there's no limit on supply. You know, yeah. a game can be created and you can create new leagues and it's hard to imagine how, I mean, the beauty of sports franchises is that you have a finite number of teams, you know, that uh, in terms of in, in a, a, a demand that grows. So that's, that's where you get the higher valuations. Esports, I don't understand it, but it has a huge global appeal. Yeah. Compared to, you know, things that are, and, and we're living in a global world, so um, I wouldn't bet against it for sure. So the future Bush family mantra for the great, 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 great grandkids, remember when they put the football in Todd Marinovich's left hand, you put the computer, <laughs> little program in the right hand, you I hope, put I hope, it next to the brain? I hope my grandchildren uh, love the outdoors. <laughs> yeah, right. Love to love to play sports, love to fish, love to hang out. I hope they don't do what I see too many kids doing, just sitting there, you know, having neck injuries because they're just all crouched up looking at a little little screen. Let's shift gears a little bit, but talk about sports, debate, agree to disagree. So the difference, more common interest from my perspective, you're watching a Super Bowl, you can argue about pass interference and holding and all, but at the end of the day, you're supposed to hug it out, you can be civil, you can be intense. Mm -hmm. What does that message tell us about modern day political and business discourse? I don't know about business, but modern day political discourse uh, is not old school, like what you just described, it's yeah. the exact opposite. In politics today, you can win by pushing someone down because it, it, without accomplishing anything, but yeah. you look good. And looking good is more important than doing things to help people. So, I mean, you could have two opponents with dramatically different views, both win in a debate because they're pandering to a base. Whereas, you know, in sports you have, uh, I mean, it, it may be a little superficial, but there's, there is, you know, the dialogue is more civil for sure. Now, sports radio is starting to reflect our culture as well, and it's, it looks more like politics these days, perhaps. But uh, having wholesome arguments about things, whether they're important or not, or is, is important. And being able to, uh, you know, disagree agreeably is not part of politics today. When I was admiring your rapidly rising political career, I never thought I would hear the day where you get up in the morning and you listen to 610 sports radio for your intellectual satisfaction. That's what I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm not sure it's for my intellectual satisfaction, but I love sports and um, it's a great way to start the day. Joe Rose is, uh, I don't know if the guy's just, he's, he's a workhorse. I don't know how long he's been doing this and he wakes up really early to do it. So I've Feel like I have to listen. Joe, if you're hearing, because I know you well, I set that one up so you and I will be talking, okay? Maybe if I sent you an invoice, it'll be the first ever payment you've ever made, and you know <laughs> that. So a couple more things about sports and debate. So we understand from a University of Houston study done by City that people are debating, the high school debaters, 160,000 of them around the country, have SATs that are about 70 points higher. Their grade point is about 0.6 higher. And the state of Florida has created this civics and debate initiative to help push the envelope. What do you think of that? I think it's a great idea, totally. Um, and I love the idea that you're developing to make sports to be the, the, not just to have, you know, some discussion about resolve, should North Korea have a nuclear weapon or not? I mean, that's, that stuff's important and yeah. doing the research and all the skills that come from uh, proper debating, but you could also have a, a similar kind of situation with sports, and I think you would actually get more people to be involved. 
and that's the key of this is to to have as much participation as as, as you can. I mean, think about this: the um, Netflix show. I think it's Netflix. The show about uh, the the young woman who 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 was a genius at playing chess. Mm -hmm during the pandemic created this surge of people playing chess. Okay. And you could make a pretty compelling case that chess is another intellectually uh, engaging kind of sports that helps you with your, your studies and helps you, you know, have a broader horizon. So those kind of things matter. And I will tell you, a month ago, at the National Spelling Bee, which was at Disney, yeah. and it was a sport. Boy, don't get in the middle of those kids getting prepared for. Well, I all love that. the winner. The winner was is also a great athlete. She's a great athlete, and she's an incredible person. And ESPN covered it as a sporting event, and we're hoping that we get the same kind of traction with sports and, and she's, debate. And she's uh, she's been offered a full ride to uh, LSU uh, yes. at the age of whatever. Whatever. Well, <laughs> well, we have an NIL issue there, which we can talk yeah. about as well. She could she yeah. could rake it in. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easily. So, you know, give me, give me a sense of how important sports is in helping us not only get through the pandemic, but become better citizens, become more um, resilient, become more uh, uh, able to get along. I mean, is there, is there kind of a high-minded message you can leave us with? Yeah, look, uh, particularly youth, youth sports, and from that, you know, comes all sorts of other things. But the discipline, the resiliency, the toughness, the, the camaraderie, the sportsmanship, um, all of that develops a stronger person. And you know, you look at the studies of young people particularly now, um, they're less resilient than they should be. We're living in the most amazing time and yet people are moping around and they can't listen to someone disagree with them. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in this cancel culture that's really quite dangerous. And I think sports gives you more confidence to be able to um, accept the fact that not everybody's going to agree with you and that someone that disagrees with you isn't, isn't you know, committing an act of violence on you. Yeah. I mean, our colleges are rife with this problem, and now it's percolating into um, the rest of society. And I think getting back to the basics would be hugely important for the next generation. My friend, I appreciate it. Plus, it's it. fun. Well, plus it's fun. That's what we forgot about all that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jeb has a lot to tell us as a sports fan, as a businessman, and as someone who could compromise for a living and obviously did it very, very well. Let's look at the top tech moment. Streaming giant Fubo TV has acquired two sets of Italian soccer media rights further bolstering their soccer pool. Fubo acquired the exclusive airing in Canada as well. The sports-centric streaming service now home to English-language coverage of Italy's top pro circuit, Serie A, as well its its annual all-division domestic tournament, Coppa Italia. Both are multi-year agreements. And in the past, Fubo TV held an IPO on the New York Stock Exchange and acquired both fantasy sports company Balto and sports betting operator Victory with the attention to launch an integrated sports book on its streaming platform. Boondog Professional Services, producing a quarterly report on Canadian digital TV, reported in March 2020 that the cord cutting in Canada hit a record high and had accelerated compared to the U.S. More to come on that, obviously, down the road. Finally, as we always do today and in the past, good sports, philanthropy, the Good Sports Five. Ella Bruning makes Little League World Series history 
scored a run and collected a few base knocks, becoming the third girl to do so. Texas takes on the Great Lakes region, being represented by Michigan, set this week. Obviously, the center stage of the Little League World Series. On the eve of the Tokyo Paralympics, Bridgestone helps advance uh, and adapt athletes as they chase their dreams. The worldwide pandemic partner provides Team Bridgestone to a significant number of athletes in all levels of financial support. Simone Biles said that mental health advocacy she portrayed during the Olympics was all part of the journey. Her decision received the predictable backlash in social media. The support she received overwhelming since returning from Japan two weeks ago. Much bigger, much better. Women's soccer star Carly Lloyd hanging up the boots after an illustrious career. And she's become the first American to score in four different Olympics. Ten total goals in the event set a new record among U.S. players. Finally, the Greek freak, a part-time owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. He basically took a page out of Pat Mahomes' book when he purchased a small stake of the Royals. His quote, man, this is unbelievable. He signed a five-year, $228 million Supermax in December. He said, it made me a better person. This is my home. I become a leader here. I become a champion here. I want to be involved. Quite obviously, he's very philanthropic and continues to make Milwaukee a big city, not just a small town. Well, we'd like to thank everybody for listening and watching and like like to pay special attention to Jeb Bush and all of his significant perceptions. like to thank those who put the stories and the, the show together. I'd like to thank you all for listening and watching. And join us next week when we continue to go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Harlow. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.